And is there nothing, is there anything that does not come from him? That God has so richly blessed us and poured out his heart for us and done what he has done for us. And we, we, we can thank him eternally. We love the attributes of God, don't we? Yes. Come on, we, don't we love the attributes of God more than that? Yes. I just think that sometimes we struggle with some of the things that the word of God tells us that open the doors to some of those attributes of God, where it becomes experiential in our life, which is what God desires. We, we hold out hope, but sometimes God's saying, no, I want you to walk in this way so that these will become real in you. God wants us to experience those things in our lives. Listen, I want my wife to experience my love for her, not just to hear about it, but to truly know in her heart that she has experienced, been touched by my love for her. And God desires that same thing with us. But that means that we open our hearts to receive, we open our hearts to give, and we do as God's called us to. I, I preface with that because, I, you know, we're going to talk today about some things that might be kind of difficult for some people. Challenging in a number of different ways. We'll, we'll take the, there's a wide spectrum of, of what we'll talk about in the topic that we're going to bring up, and, and we're going to find that there are people on the extremes that will be offended on both sides of that. Sometimes the topic that we'll be talking about today is a no-win situation for the church. But we can't avoid things because I can't avoid things because of how I am concerned or worried that you might respond. So we're, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, you know, this is the most important sermon that has ever been preached. These are, this is the most important thing that's ever been brought to this world, this, this message that Jesus brings, this message that Jesus is, and, and Luke is encapsulating in cliff notes for us to receive. And, and Jesus, for the very first time, he is, he is contrasting two kingdoms. Listen, the reason, before Jesus, the world had no clue what the kingdom of God truly looked like. Because nobody had ever been there. Jesus came from heaven to earth and he came and now he's in this place where he's contrasting these two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world, the cultural kingdom in which we live, and he's contrasting that then with the kingdom of God. And the people were being drawn from so far and wide, people were coming because they had never heard anything like this. I've said this before, I really do think that we are, especially in our nation, we are so over-informed and under-applied. Yes, we we, we've got all the knowledge and we just, you know, take it all for granted. Yeah. And God's looking at us applying some of the things that we've, we, we learn. And so he's coming in this sermon and he's preaching to us and he's, and he's revealing to us, especially in the second half that we're into now, the, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, he is giving us kingdom principles. He's telling about us about the principles that govern his kingdom. And he's inviting you and I to be a part of the application of these principles that would show we are residents, that we are members, that we are servants of the king in this kingdom. And he's sharing these things with us. And these are some crazy, mind-blowing, revolutionary principles that these people had never heard before. Things that should be continually still, even as us, as, as unsaved coming into salvation, principles that should be mind-blowing to us. And, and they will be, they are. Some of the things we've already talked about are mind-blowing. It's just that rather than going, wow, I want to hear more, we get offended and leave. Yes, we do. Help us, Same blowing our mind. I, that's not what I came to church to hear. That's why, you know, again, Jesus didn't come to church to preach. He went out in the open air to preach. And people came to him. They came because they wanted to hear this. And so he's revealing these revolutionary principles. And then he begins to go on, and we'll see as we go through these scriptures, that what he goes on to do is, is, is tell us whichever principles you are applying, 
Whichever principles you are living by, whichever principles you are doing, reveals the kingdom that you have put your trust in. Principles that he gives us that will reflect the relationship that we have with the king of that kingdom in which we've put our trust. Either the kingdom of this world, which we know the, 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 the king of the prince of this world, the, the enemy, he surely, but you know what? For in, realistically, for most of us, the king of this world is you, me. Is that where we've put our trust? Or have we put it in God's kingdom, in, in King Jesus? And so what we're going to talk about today and what he's sharing with us is going to reveal where we have placed our trust and in which king have we committed our loyalty to. King you or King Jesus? So I'm going to read through again. I want to get the full context of this scripture. We're going to read through the whole second half here of the sermon that Jesus was preaching that Luke is uh, giving us the cliff notes to and, and hold, take it in context. And then we'll, we'll come back and I'll, I'll share with you the point for today. So starting in verse 37, we talked about this last week. It says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. Right? Amen? Amen. Verse 39 Again, going on, Jesus start, continues and he told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? I wonder if that's why so many of us find ourselves so often in a pit. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So I asked that, who, who's your teacher? And again, I'm not, I'm not don't, don't look at me, although I am teaching you, but who, who is your teacher? That's who you will be like. And then he goes on and he says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself don't even see that you have a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly uh, <clears throat> to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. He, he's not, he doesn't say that a, a, tree will be, a, tr a tree will be judged by its intentions tree is judged by the fruit it produces. And, and he goes and he says, and uh, the, uh, the tree that is known by, a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by what? By the fruit. You want to know if a tree is good or bad? He says, look at the fruit that it's producing. That tree will be known by its fruit. And whatever kind of fruit it's producing is what kind of tree it is. The figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. He says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Your mouth is, is an indicator of what's in your heart. What's coming out of your mouth? These are indicators that God's given us. Don't, don't get mad at me because evil or wicked or mean things are coming out of your heart or coming out of your mouth. I'm just pointing out what God says here. So what's coming out of your mouth? Is it, is it positive or negative? Is it blessing or cursing? Is it helpful or hurtful? Is it kind or mean? What, what, again, he's, you need to look at that. We need to look at that each one of us individually because it is indicating what comes up, what's in the heart. And then he says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord 
and do not do what I tell you? It's like, why, why do you think it's okay for you just to go to church on Sunday and to think you're okay with me and live like hell the rest of the time? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and go out and do whatever you want to do? That's, that's what he's saying here. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Now, again, doesn't that sound like a lot of work? It's a lot of unseen work right there. A lot of work that nobody ever sees. Builds the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, here's the difference. Stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Guy who did not want to do the hard work. He built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the streams broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, that you have given us your word in this place today. And I pray that you administer your word to each and every heart, to each and every one that's here. Give them ears to hear, Lord. To those who are fighting you and resisting you, I pray, Lord God, that your love and grace would draw them close. That God, you're not a God who needs to be pushed away. You're a God that we can embrace as you embrace us. That God, what you do, you do in love. What you do, you do because you love. Because you are love. And I pray today that you would love on your church. To those, Lord God, who, who, are, uh, who don't know you, I pray that you would introduce yourself to them and that they could come to know you in a powerful way. To those who are bound up in sin, I pray that today would be forgiveness and cleansing that would move from the front to the back. Help us today, Lord God. Oh, not, not, Lord, not in, not in our conformity to anything, Lord, that's said, but to heart, Lord, that would change what we do. Lord, I pray that each person would hear today with the intent that you had. And I pray that you help me to rightly divide and to speak this with clarity, with authority, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a very tough subject, a, tough, a very difficult subject. We talked about forgiveness, that forgiven people must forgive. And he talks about it here in Luke. Jesus talks about this multiple times, that forgiveness for the believer is a requirement. God calls us to forgive. And again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. But I, I went into that last week or a couple weeks ago. I'm not, not going to go back through that uh, a, a whole bunch here. You can go back. You can check that out yourself. But uh, this is what Luke said about that in verse 37. He says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven. God calls us to join him in extending forgiveness. And if you've received forgiveness from God, he calls you to do what he does. He calls you then to forgive just as he has forgiven you. This has been a struggle for a lot of people. There were a lot of people, I mean, again, I've got probably gotten more comments than I've gotten in a long, long time about this subject. And a lot of people that, uh, that don't necessarily like that. Again, I, I doesn't mean I don't understand how difficult that can be. I'm, I told you, I'm not making light of that. But I'm saying that, you know what? Don't continue to live in unforgiveness. This world wants you to hold on to it. This culture wants you to hold on to it. But we're talking about a different culture. We're talking about a different kingdom. We're talking about ethics from a kingdom that's different than the ethics of this world. So again, we, we need to join ourselves with him and his kingdom to be able to receive some of these things. Well, why do we forget? Because I live by a different ethic. I live by God's rule. I live by his kingdom's principles. 
Which then brings us to this next subject, the, the one here, number two. And um, again, uh, please hear me out today. All right? Because again, I know that you're, some of you are just going to go ahead and just assume that, you know what? Oh, great. Here we go again. This is what God's he, he's calling us. Number two is, is getters should be givers. Getters should be givers. This is what he says in verse 38. He says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into his lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, church, I'm not trying to raise up an offering here. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. In fact, if this is offensive to you right now, I, I, hear me here. Don't give. Okay, don't. I, I, I'm, please, I'm not talking about the act of giving. I'm talking about the heart of a giver. So please, make sure that you keep that clearly. This is, you know, the whole point is what he's saying. Listen, if God forgives you, if God, the king of his king, if he forgives you, forgive others. Amen. If God, the king of this kingdom, gives to you, then give to others. Amen. That's what he's calling us to. That's the way it's supposed to work in his kingdom. Otherwise, he says, we're hypocrites. We're hypocrites. Who, who we, we receive forgiveness and we receive generosity, yet we won't give forgiveness or generosity be generous it's hypocritical and so he's teaching that the relationship with god that our individual relationship with god shows up and is revealed by our relationship with others and it also it shows up and is revealed in our relationship with money and finances and wealth and goods and time and whatever it is that we have been given. So I want to take the time to unpack what Jesus is talking about here because we are diving into, deeply into, these kingdom principles. I want you to understand what the kingdom of God is about. What you do with that is between you and him. But I don't, I don't want to fall short on sharing what I truly believe God wants us to have and understand. And so what we're talking about today, I'm not talking about Again, raising up an offering. I'm talking about way more than that. I'm talking about something we will call generosity theology. Generosity theology. And, you know, in this place of when we start talking about giving and we start talking about all these different things, you know, um, man, oh, man, we, we've got some extremes that we can go to. We've got extremes on both ends of this rainbow of giving, and we've got people that are all in between in all these different places. So even in the church, even in this place today, we have people that are on both ends of this. So, again, don't worry. You won't be the only one offended. But in looking at just in the extremes of this, one extreme of this whole issue of, of giving and wealth in the Bible is prosperity theology. That, that basically it's saying that, that God is a pinata and tithing is a stick, so give God a great big whack and watch him drop vehicles with rims out of the sky. my version of prosperity theology. <laughs> but, but basically, listen, what it basically it's saying, so don't, don't, don't shut me out here. What it's saying is in that prosperity theology, on the extreme of that is we are, it's worshiping money and wealth and possessions and status. And it's using God to get him to give you your idols. It, it's if I just pray enough and if I just tithe enough, then, and if I just do these things, then I'll get God to bless me. I, he'll, he'll have to. He'll, may, he'll have to do this and he'll make me rich. In other words, he'll give me what I really care the most about. Wow. Now, on the other extreme, there's that poverty theology. So I don't need to get a job. 
I don't need to go out and work. I don't need to pay my bills. I don't need to take care of my family. I, I, I just go down to the food bank. That's God's providing for me, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't need to leave an inheritance for my children's children, like Proverbs says. I just make no money, and I'm not generous, and I don't like to give, and I give as little as I can. I give as minimally as I can. Because, well, why? Well, because the less I have, the holier I am. And, and let me just say this. As a church, we, me, we don't advocate either one of those extremes. Okay, we don't, we, we don't advocate. Listen, what we advocate is go out and work hard. Yes, amen. Go to work. Go get a job. Go out there, work hard. And when you go out and work hard, work smart. Be fair, be honest, be a person of integrity, be a person of character, save some money, put some away, do wisdom kind of things with wisdom when you apply it to your wealth and grow your wealth little by little like Proverbs says. Because get quick rich schemes are fleeting. Did you know that 70%, 70% of the people that win the lottery go bankrupt within five years? I was reading about, one guy won $312 million. And after five years in jail, he, he went bankrupt and killed himself. Church, Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes disappears quickly. Even if it's a religious get-quick-rich scheme. Wealth from hard work grows over time. So church, we have to be willing to, like the scripture tells us, dig down to the foundation and get to the rock. We gotta be willing to do the work that sometimes nobody else sees. To do the stuff that sometimes nobody else knows as we build what God's called us to build on the foundation that he's called us to lay. And are we willing to do that much work for something that nobody around us will ever see. We better. So in God's theology, in God's kingdom ethics, we are called to see ourselves as generous stewards and that everything we have belongs to God. Right? I mean, he's the king of his kingdom. He owns it all. Everything's his. And what we have is because our king has given that to us. Now, I say that, and as I was praying this week, I realized this, that probably in this place, there's not a single one of us that actually functionally believes that. We, we, we just don't. My guess is that nobody really puts that to practice. The, the, to believe, okay, you know, do we really believe that God owns everything and that he has given us whatever it is that we have and that what we have is gifts that we've received from him and that you and I, we are called to be simply stewards of the gifts that God has given to us. And do we really believe that then God has called us as a steward to be responsible to disperse, dispense, distribute the resources that God has given to us, that gifts that God has given to us and to do it in such a way that would glorify God and help others? Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, no way. I work really hard to make my way in this world. What I would say is, but God gave us this world. God gave us this world. Our God is a generous giver. Our God is a generous God. Listen, he gave us life. You're alive because God gave you the gift of life. You're breathing today because God gave you the gift of breath. He gave us talents. He gave us skills. He gave us abilities. He gave us intellect. God gave you the education that you have. God gave you the job that you have. Whatever it is and however many you've been through, God gave them to you. He gave you your income. He's the one responsible. He's the one who has given you your possessions. What you have is because God has given you those things. Does everything really, truly, honestly come from God? 
Our God is a very generous giver. In fact, so generous that he was even willing to give us his only begotten son. Jesus Christ, God shed the blood of his son to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. He did that for you and for me, and he shed his blood. So the salvation that we have now, it's a gift from him. You are, you are gifted with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit that fills you is a gift. And the spiritual gifts that he gives you to walk in, they are, in fact, a gift. This church, the church is a gift. The word of God, the Bible, it is a gift. The God's people look around you because the people that are seated around you, the people that are here today, God has brought them in here. And each and every one of you, you are a gift from God. Your presence is a gift to the church and you are here because God has gifted us with your presence today this kingdom that we live in today where we are today as much as you might like it or dislike it or the nature of sin and the way in which it's such a fallen world it's still it's a gift from God and most of all listen God's kingdom the one we're talking about these kingdom principles God's kingdom that awaits us that we one day will be with him forever in is a gift these are things that God has given us. Could anybody ever possibly outgive a God like that? Can we ever really give God all that He is deserving of? Our God is a giver. We need to understand that, that the heart of our God is to give. He is a giver, and he's not a stingy giver. He's not a begrudging giver. He is a generous giver, and he loves to give. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Not talking about our planet, he's talking about you. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave the greatest gift, the most expensive gift, the most valuable gift that's ever been given in the history of histories. He gave for you and for me. Because why? Because he loves you. Thank you, Lord. Look, we know and you know he loves you because he gave. He gave. And church... In, in this world, God's ethics in, the, in his kingdom is this. Generosity theology is this. As God has given to you, generosity theology says, I give to others. I give to the poor. I give to the needy. I give to the church. I give as God has directed me to give. And church, that's generosity theology. But in this world, we look at this from a religious standpoint, and, and, and we say this. We say, okay, God, how much of my money do I have to give you? God, how much of my money do I have to give you to make you happy? I mean, that is really what we end up with. In God's kingdom, God's theology, when we begin to say God's heart is this, it's God, how much of your money do I get to keep? Did not get a very hearty amen there. <laughs> hey, it's assuming that the first fruits, God talks about the first fruits right off the top. Well, it belongs to God. Those are things that, that, you know what, it all belongs to him, but those are things that we're called to give to him in a place that he deems to be necessary. He deems to be worthy. He deems to be deserving. This is what we do. And he says, and he goes on, he says, and those who are generous stewards... Do you know what a generous steward does? He, he says it. I know we look at it like a four-letter word. They give. So, so what he, he's talking about here, give. Right? He said, for those who give, listen, God loves to give more to them. Now, I am not talking about prosperity theology. I'm not. I'm not saying, I'm not saying hell, oh, I'm going to give so I can get. I'm going to say, I've been given, so I give. And prosperity theology is completely different than that. Listen, God is, not, God is not in the middle of the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. It's just not the way God works. 
Do you know that God very well may increase your income? He may. Do you know God may increase your income not so that you could raise your standard of living, but so that you could raise your standard of giving? If he's the God who owns it all, does he have the right? Does he have the authority to tell us that? Absolutely. I think what he's saying in all of this is, man, if I can find a faithful steward, I'm going to pour out into his life. And if he stays a good steward, then I'm going to give a little more. And if he remains faithful, I'm going to give even more. Now, I, I'm not, please, I'm not talking, there are some things, listen, there are some things that are way more valuable than just giving finances. Okay, I, now I know there's a lot of people, well, I give this so I don't give financially. Well, listen, God didn't exclude that. He said, you, you know, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. Isn't that the way you would work, though? Just, Imagine for a moment that you were, uh, you know, affluent and wealthy, and you met someone, and you liked them, and you, you said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, a, I'm going to bless you with a, with a chunk of money. I'm going to just bless you with finances, and, and listen, this is mine, I'm going to give it to you, and I want this percentage to go to the poor, I want this percentage to go to the needy, I want this percentage to go to the church, and I, I want you to find some others out there that you can bless, and the rest you can keep for your needs. It'd be all, yeah! And they came back and they said, okay, I did everything you asked. I did. I went, I found these people and I blessed them and I found, I went to the church and I went to this place and I went to that place and I did exactly what you told me to do and, and, and I used the rest for my needs. You know what? If you had done that for somebody, you'd say, good, you know what? I'm going to increase what I entrusted to you because you have been a faithful steward. You haven't robbed me. What about the one who came back and after the same thing, he'd been given and he told him to do all this stuff and he came back and he said, ah, you know what? Forgot to go to church because I, I found this sweet bass boat. And the only time I could go fishing is on Sundays and so I didn't go to church and I didn't have time to find anybody that was poor. I, I just, you know, I just did not have the ability to reach out to these people over here. But I, I got to tell you, man, gas was way more than I thought. And my insurance is due. And I don't have any money right now. Can you help me? Be like, um, I don't invest that way. Every one of you would. You know what? No, I don't pour water into buckets with holes in them. No, I'm not going to waste any more resources because you have not been a faithful steward with what I gave you the first time. And so what he's talking about here is if you're a faithful steward and you give and do as God has called you to do, God tends to give us more. Now, also realize this. That's not a guarantee that you're going to see everything come exactly like you think you want it to come. That doesn't mean that checks are going to fill your mailbox and all these things. It does. Listen, I, saying all that, God may do those things, but he doesn't have to. Yeah, it's true. He's the king. Amen. And we're just his stewards. Yes, we are. And he doesn't have to do that, but he desires to do that. And this is what he's telling us. And sometimes we see those rewards. Sometimes we see those rewards in this life. Sometimes God does bless us in such a way that we see those rewards pouring into our life now. But I think even more importantly, other times we don't see those blessings as physically as we would like to, but we can know that God is a God who fulfills his promises and that God is laying up treasures in heaven. Look, I mean, we are so consumed with this here and now. We would like the here and now. Well, the here and now is temporary. Would you rather lay up treasures in the here and now or would you rather lay up treasures in what's to come is eternal life? These are treasures that we lay up. Sometimes you're going to have to wait a little bit. 
But listen, one way or another, God loves to give to those who are giving. God loves to give to those who are faithful stewards. Why? So they can give some more. And then he says this. He says in verse 38, he he says, and, and he uses this analogy, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, put into your lap. What does that mean? We all like that. I mean, we've probably all used that when we've given before. Um, But what does it really mean? I want to give you a modern day analogy here. How how many of you have been to the grocery store and seen what is the most glorious aisle of the entire store? (laughs) The chip aisle. Oh, I don't care how health conscious you are. You probably still have a secret bag of potato chips behind the seat in your car. Listen, this is amazing. Look at all those chips. Look at that, only in America. You start down there and there's pretzels and there's popcorn. Come on. There's Fritos and there's Doritos and there is every kind of toes you can imagine. <laughs> that whole thing, it's toes-tastic. It's amazing. And then you've got potato chips. And in the potato chips, you've got thin cut and you've got thick cut. You've got regular fried potato chips and you've got the kettle kind of fried potato chips. You've got potato chips with salt and vinegar. You've got potato chips with sour cream and onion. You've got potato chips that are barbecued. You've got potato chips. Oh. And look at it. Have you noticed how much bigger the bags are getting? Look at that. That is half the size of your body. Unless you buy too many of those, then it's only a third the size of your body. (laughs) It's amazing, though. These things are so huge and big. Well, how many of you have ever purchased one of those? I was going to buy a bag, and I was going to do this, but I thought, no, it'll just start giving everybody uh, stomach pains. How many of you ever gotten one of those big bags of potato chips and it feels so full and it feels so good and you get that bag of potato chips home and you can't wait to get into it? I know. (sighs) Oh, and you take that bag and, and you pop it open and one of the greatest aromas in all of this world hits you. Come on, there's just something about... Again, I, I try really hard not to eat them because they make me... They're not a couple of chips and I got like an hour's worth of running to do. But, man, if they're in the house, I love to open them up because that aroma comes up and it just hits you and I love the smell of Lay's potato chips. And you open it up and you look inside and... It's like, where's all my chips? What happened? This thing's not full. This whole thing, it's filled with air and emptiness. It's nothing but a bag of lies. Well, that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about this pressed down, shaken together. Because back in the day, when this was being, what they would do is they would take a bushel or they would take a bucket or, or the, the women would carry a bowl and they would take it into the market and they would go to buy grain or go to buy corn and they would make a deal with the person, with the vendor. And they would say, okay, this much, uh, this, this much for that bucket or that bowl. And so they'd hold out that bowl and they would fill it up with grain or corn and then they'd say, okay, pay up. And, and the, the lady would say, no, 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 not yet. And she'd start shaking that bowl and shaking that bowl and put it down and start stepping on it and grinding it down and pushing it down, stomping it down, pressing it down. And then she'd shake it some more and press it down some more. And she'd pick that up and go, it's not full. And so they'd pour more in and she'd do the same thing and shake it and shake it and press it down and press it down. And then she'd pick it back up again. It's not full. And finally, when it was flowing over, okay, it's full now. And then she would, obviously, she would pay for that bowl then. But until that point, 
it was nothing more than a bag of chips. And so, listen, he would, they would say, you know what? Try that when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> Open it up at the counter. Don't tell them you go to New Life. But open it up and say, hey, my bag is empty. I want my potato chips pressed down, shaken together, and flowing over into my lap. Amen. Because that's where my potato chips end up anyway. In my lap. But that's what we're talking about. And, and God said, listen, if you're a generous giver, God will give generously unto you into the place and to the point where that your provisions would be full. Your provisions would be pressed down, shaken together and flowing over. Well, you know what would happen is they would hold those bowls and they would fill those bowls up until they were flowing over and they would wear in their, their aprons or in their, the outfits of that day, they would wear these outfits with pockets in the front guess where the overflow went? It flowed into their pockets. God's saying, I want to bless you, and I want to overflow your provision, even to where there's some in your pockets. It's just the generosity of our God. He's a giving God. Now, church, I know, I perfectly understand. I, I, go, I live in the same world you do. I know that this is a day and an age where finances are difficult. You know, with inflation just going through the roof, gas and food and everything else, I know that people are struggling and, and people are having a hard time. I'm well, well aware of that. But church, our physical condition doesn't change the word of God. In fact, God's given us his word that it might change our physical condition. So what happens, though, is we say, well, you know what? God, as soon as you give to me, as soon as you give me some more, okay, I'll give something. And God said, no, you know what? I've already given you, and you haven't done anything with it. How about you do something with what I've already given you, and then we'll talk about me helping some more. Look, uh, church, you know what? It's amazing to me. It was amazing to me how, how hard this sermon was to put together. Because I know the different financial difficulties that so many are going through. I also know that every time we talk about money, there's people that will leave the church. Because they say, oh, the church, all they want is our money. Listen, I told you. If that's your heart, don't give. Please don't give. And I don't say that mean-spiritedly. I say that lovingly. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And that's the same thing that we want, that I want. And that's what we're talking about. And I love you, church. I love you like I love, I mean, in the same way, in many respects, like I love my children. And you know what? When, when we, in our home, when we see problems... We work on them. We confront them. We talk about those problems. We don't just, when my kids are going through something, we just don't grow angry and want to kick them out the door. We don't become abusive. We don't become vengeful. We don't become mean-spirited. We don't freak out on them. We keep praying as Christians. We keep, we keep praying and we keep praying that God would change things and we keep talking about it and we keep working on it and we keep working on it and we keep working on it and we keep doing that. Why? Because we love them. Church, this topic, as difficult as it is, we're gonna keep working on it. We're gonna keep talking about it. And I just, I decided, you know what, God, the chips fall where they will. But I'm not going to stop talking about this because some of you don't like it. Yep. And, and I, I'm not going to stop talking about it because I know some of you are going to complain about it. This is the word of God. And here we preach the whole word of God. Amen. But I know that for some it's, more difficult. And, and I can't help if some of you may be in a position right now 
where you don't want to hear the whole word of God. But I will say that if that's your situation, I totally understand. But you have to let that reveal to you in which kingdom you've let your roots go down. Are you living by the ethics of this cultural community, this cultural kingdom? Or the ethics of God's kingdom? That's what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about, these two different kingdoms. And I know that in this kingdom, it's completely, I mean, to the point where we almost hate the things that we hear. We want the results. We just don't want the walkthrough. And for those who have been faithful, for those who, who have who realized this and have understood this and have come to this place, praise be to God, I know that you are blessed. Amen. Oh, you may not be financially flowing in it and able to go out, but you know what? God has blessed you. He has blessed you in so many different ways that goes way beyond the finances. Amen. And church, if you haven't been faithful in that yet, What's the, word that, what's the word Jesus uses? He, he says give. That's what he says. So probably a better understanding that we could have, and I know many of you probably are asking this question, well, so what does that mean in the Greek, though? It means give. It means give. Well, how much? That, that's not up to me. But ask him. Amen. Ask him what he wants you to do. Yeah. As between, listen, it's not all mine. If it's all his, then ask him what he wants you to do. If you're part of that kingdom, then you have a relationship with him, so you have the ability to go into the throne room and to say, hey, Father, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? What do you want me? And, and again, if that's not your heart, please don't give. But don't stop coming. Let me say, just, just because you don't understand this principle yet, or maybe it's not something that you, you know what, I'm trying to figure it all out, don't stop coming. I don't watch the tithes and offerings. I don't know who's giving what and all those things. But we're not judging any of that. I mean, can you imagine back in Jesus' day? Jesus did. Jesus was sitting there watching everybody come bring their offerings. That's how he saw the widow's mind. Was he interested in how much each person gave? No. No. The only thing that he was concerned with is the heart of those who gave. It's all that he was. It's all that he wanted. So ask him, what, what should I do? I, I mean, you can, and, and, and again, it's biblical, it's scriptural. You can use tithe or the tithe, which means a tenth as your benchmark of what you're going to do and where you're going to do it and all of those things. But we're not, I'm not telling you that you have to set a percentage and you have to do this or you have to do that. I'm not. I'm not telling you that. I'm not going to set a percentage. I'm not going to be legalistic about this. Jesus said this. When talking about the tithe, Jesus said, yes, this you should do. But I really do. I believe this with all my heart that Jesus was saying, that's the heart. That's the mind of it. But my kingdom is all about your heart. It's all about your heart. There are those who talk about this topic and say, well, you know what? It's just, you're, it's just Old Testament. I've been set free from the law. It's Old Testament that you're talking about. I understand that. But where in the New Testament did God require less of us than the Old Testament? I mean, he provided us salvation. Again, the Old Testament didn't know that. He gave us this gift of salvation, this gift of grace, this gift of forgiveness, but then made it very clear. In the Old Testament, it says, don't commit adultery. The New Testament says, don't even lust after another or you've committed adultery in your heart. The Old Testament says, thou shalt not commit murder. 
New Testament says, don't even say you hate your brother or you've murdered. God's raised the bar. He's raised the level of obedience and that, and to such a point that the only way we can do it is with the filling of God, the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. Yeah, Lord. He, he's called us to that place. Do we fall short? Absolutely. But I do think for, the, for the, those who are a part of the kingdom of God, the tithe, you know, again, in this place of giving, and again, I'm not talking about the church. Some of you got some needy neighbors that God put you next to so you could help. I think the tithe, for, for those that are a part of the kingdom of God, the tithe is the least we should do if we're citizens of that new kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus was revealing. In church, it's not about the law. Hey, please, hear me. It's not about the law. What I'm talking to you about is your heart and God's kingdom ethics. We're teaching you what he's talking about. And again, he's not looking for you. I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm or make anybody. God says this. He says, be a joyful giver. Yes, amen. So, and, and hear me. I, I, don't waste your money if you're not a joyful giver. Okay, I, I mean, I, please, I say that not. Please hear my heart here. I want you to have a balanced look at this whole thing. The church isn't trying to twist anybody's arm. But we have to talk about this because God, he uses these things to get to our heart. Yes, he does. And, and that's what he's talking about. Look, we're, all, all we can say is, that, listen, if we're Christians, if you've received and everything that you have received is a gift from God, then give and do whatever he's told you to do. Amen. Because... In God's kingdom, this will burst some bubbles. In God's kingdom, it's not all about you. Which means at a greater level, God's not as interested. God's not, he, again, he loves you and he cares about you, so hear me in this statement. God's not as interested in giving to you as he is as interested in giving through you. Worship team, would you come back up? I wanna, I'm going to finish with a, a, one last story about a conversation that I had with a lady. And um, it really makes the point that I'm, I'm wanting to bring to you. So in this conversation, I, this lady, she came up and she's, she's a, a new Christian. She was newer in the Lord and she was just like coming to this place of, of understanding some of these things. She'd gotten radically saved. Her husband had passed away and, and when he passed away, he left her a whole bunch of money. And so she was, you know, sitting on a, a lot of money. And she said, I've come to know God better. She said, I've learned about this whole thing about giving. God has given me so much. And now I realize, she said, now I realize that God has given me so much because God wants to give through me. And as I, as I let God give through me, she said, I'm learning to love people like I've never loved them before. And it struck me, she's learning to love people by giving. And so she's like, I, I, I'm serving people and I never dreamed I could find such joy in it. I'm helping people. There's just something that's going, I'm learning to be generous with what God has blessed me with. And then she said this, and she said, this life, she had, she had been through a loss and she had, and she said, this life I'm learning is really fun. She said, it is like, I'm just, I'm just doing what God is doing and I'm getting to do it with him. Amen. And church, that is the heart of what I'm talking to you about today. It is just seeing, okay, God, this is what God does, so I'm gonna do that with him. This is what he does. You know what God does? God forgives. God forgives. 
He, for, he has provided a forgiveness that is for everyone. That anyone can find the forgiveness of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Our God is a forgiving God. And that is the intent of sending His Son into this world. Was that we could be forgiven, each and every one of us, of the sins in our life. And see the relationship with God the Father restored through Jesus. God forgives so forgiven people we should join God in what God is doing and do with him what he is doing so forgiven people we get to know the joy of forgiving who do you need to forgive first I should say have you been forgiven if not Today's the day to call upon the Lord to say and to ask for the gift of forgiveness to come and flow in you. Today's the day to ask God. Listen, without forgiveness, we have no restoration with the Father. We won't go to heaven without forgiveness first coming to us. And when, for, when forgiveness comes to us, forgiveness begins to flow through us because that's who God has made us to be in His image. If you have not been forgiven of your sins or you're not sure, today is the day to call out to him and say, Lord God, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I am a sinner and I need a savior. And church, if you have been forgiven, then who is God calling you to forgive today? I'm not making light of that. I'm not. I'm not discounting the seriousness, the brevity of that. But in God's kingdom, His ethics are different. Who is God calling you to forgive today? The church, if you've been given, getters should be givers. Not because we have to, because we get to. Have you received from God? Have you been given? Have you been blessed? Oh, listen, we, we get so caught up in this world. The enemy wants to distract us. And we get so caught up in what we haven't been given, what we don't have. We lose sight of what we do. I mean, just for a moment, look around you. You are surrounded by people, the people of God, the church. You are surrounded by gifts, people that love you and care about you. If you've been given salvation, you have something to be eternally grateful for. Look, if you've been given, then what is God calling you to give? I, again, not... I am not making this exclusively about finances. I'm also not discounting that. What's God calling you to do? Look, I, this is not between you and me. I'm not the one looking at you. This is the Holy Spirit looking into your heart. And he's speaking to you about things that have come up during the midst of the sermon. He's speaking to you about things that are going on. The Holy Spirit right now. Listen, you can be blessed by this. If the Holy Spirit's not working on your heart right now, there might be an absence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will work on your heart. It's his sign of his love for you. It's a sign of his presence in you that would come and begin to work on your heart, convicting you of sin and in regards to righteousness, leading you to what he's calling you to do. He's working on your heart. And I think that God would say this. I, I wrote this down last night because I really felt like, you know what, this is what God is wanting and calling the church to. God's saying, trust me. Trust me. He knows how hard it is. In fact, I even wrote it. I said, trust me. I know how hard it is. But I got you. So let's go have some fun. 
you bow your heads with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that today, Lord, you would come into the hearts of those who who need you, Lord. That, That you have told us all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That God, those who need you would come into a right relationship with you. That you would fill their heart and overwhelm them with your love. Come and forgive their sins and cleanse them, Lord God, today. Lord, not because we deserve it, but because grace has given. Lord, we, we need that gift in us. And if you're not saved today, then just call out to him. Lord, come into my heart. Come and make me new. Lord, I want to live by your kingdom's principles. I want to live by the ethics of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, I'm sick and tired of where King Mark or King whoever you may be is leading me. I need to serve you, King Jesus, because I want to follow you unto eternal life. And and wherever it is and whatever it is that God has spoken to you through this day, Ask the Holy Spirit for the courage to do that. I mean, what does this whole thing mean to you? What does it mean functionally? What what does it mean practically? What's God God calling you to to do? Again, it's between you and Him. But how will you respond? look at the indicators that God has given you? Will will you look at the words that come out of your mouth as an indicator of what's in your heart, even about the sermon today? you, You may not be there in understanding, but will you receive and say, God, teach me. Help me, Lord. I want the truth because only the truth can set me free. God personally speak to you. Give him your heart.
have your way in us. Have your way in me. Have your way in the church. God, we give it to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have richly blessed us in every way. Today we are thankful. Help us today to receive your word with gladness and to say, thus saith the Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. I do. I love you. And I pray you'll get him plugged into a life group. Get yourself involved. Get yourself plugged in. And go out there. Go be the church. Church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the church.